Among the many factors that constrain the size of America's workforce is a lack of foreign workers. As indicated by the New York Times, hundreds of thousands of foreign workers have effectively gone missing from the labor market as the pandemic lingers. Former President Donald Trump limited temporary visa issuances for foreign workers through a series of policy changes that slowed many forms of legal immigration. Then, pandemic-era travel restrictions and bureaucratic backlogs caused immigration to decline even more precipitously. Overall visa issuance fell by 4.7 million last year. Many of those visas would have gone to tourists. However, many of them would have gone to people ready to work. Goldman Sachs research estimates that the economy is short about 700,000 temporary visa holders and permanent immigrant workers. Perhaps 300,000 of those people will never come to work in the U.S. even after the pandemic phase. The Biden administration lifted a Trump-era pandemic ban on legal immigration in February, and the number of foreign nationals coming into the U.S. on visas has been recovering. Still, the State Department reports that as of September, nearly half a million people remained in its immigrant visa backlog compared with roughly 61,000 on average in 2019. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. Another month, another record U.S. trade deficit. The Commerce Department reports that America's trade deficit with the balance of the world expanded 11% in September to a record $81 billion. As indicated by Reuters, global supply chains that remain in disarray are largely to blame, with many American companies scrambling to secure parts and goods to build their products. Imports into the U.S. are likely to remain elevated as businesses strive to rebuild inventories in advance of the core of the holiday shopping season. Imports rose nearly 1% in September to nearly $289 billion. Prices of imports have been surging in response to high demand as quantity demanded easily outweighs quantity supplied. Meanwhile, exports from the U.S. tumbled 3% in September to a bit less than $208 billion. All of this is troubling news for the U.S. economy. The U.S. trade deficit subtracted from gross domestic product during the third quarter, which served to restrain growth. After expanding rapidly earlier this year, third quarter GDP growth slowed to just 2% on an annualized basis, the slowest growth registered in more than a year. America's trade gap with the balance of the world has been a drag on gross domestic product for five consecutive quarters. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. Governments in the U.S., Europe, and in other developed nations are embarking on a new experiment to deal with climate change, using tariffs on trade to slash carbon emissions. As indicated by the Wall Street Journal, the idea has the potential to rewrite the rules of global commerce. Policymakers on both sides of the Atlantic are thinking about targeting steel, chemicals, and cement production. The tariffs would be designed to supply a competitive advantage to manufacturers in nations where emissions are relatively low. Recently, the Biden administration announced the first ever trade agreement that incorporates such a concept. The pact with the European Union would jointly curb imports of steel that generate elevated levels of carbon emissions. The idea of using tariffs in this manner is gaining acceptance among certain U.S. businesses, particularly in industries in which America produces fewer carbon emissions per unit of output than elsewhere. Carbon tariffs also referred to as border adjustments, are intended to complement domestic policies that discourage emissions. But as with many policies, there are risks. Like other barriers, carbon tariffs can push up prices, hurting businesses that purchase those products as well as consumers. 
For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. For many reasons, many baby boomers retired earlier than they had anticipated during the pandemic. That has further strained labor supply and left even larger gaps for employers to fill. The Federal Reserve Banks of Dallas and Kansas City are among the entities monitoring the growth in America's retiree population. The share of the population in retirement from February 2020 to April of this year was 1.5 million people higher than would have been the case had retirement trends present as late as 2019 persisted. Some baby boomers decided to take the jump into earlier than anticipated retirement due to the rising value of stocks, homes, and other assets. But as indicated by writer Amara Omiakwe, some retired for other reasons, including because of COVID-19 fears and because of loss of employment early during the pandemic. The question becomes how many of these retired baby boomers, many of whom are now in their 60s, will return to the workforce to take advantage of plentiful employment opportunities and rising wages. Economists acknowledge that some who retired during the pandemic would have likely done so over the next few years anyway. But America's labor and skill shortages are substantial right now, and an injection of additional workers would really help. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. According to a recent survey conducted by personal finance site Magnify Money, nearly a third of millennials, those Americans between the ages of 25 and 40, still receive financial support from their parents. Indeed, during the pandemic, the number of adults moving back in with their parents temporarily spiked to a record high. Last year, 52% of millennials were living in their parents' homes, according to a Pew analysis of Census Bureau data. That surpassed the previous high established in 1940, when 48% of young adults live with their parents. The share of young adults living with their parents last year surged across the board for men and women, all racial and ethnic groups, and in every geography of the nation. As reported by CNBC, other forms of support include everything from paying for a cell phone plan to covering auto insurance. The report also found that 55% of parents with adult children indicate that they supply financial support to their children at least occasionally. According to a separate creditcards.com poll, nearly half 45% of parents with adult children helped their kids financially throughout the coronavirus crisis. Among those parents, the average level of assistance they provided was nearly $4,200. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu.